Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Podding Ain't Easy. Yes, we are back. Back again. <laughs> Guess who's back? Tell a friend. But yeah, we're back to talk um, Wakanda Forever and some of the latest trailers that have been hitting the internet that have piqued our interest. And as always, well, not as always, but as 50% of the time, I'm your host, <laughs> Carl Pierce. And with me, as always, is the Sammy Zane to my Kevin Owens, because I thought I was done with this shit. It's Scott <laughs> McLeod. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. But yes, but, but we are back together. And eventually you will accept it and we will finally take down the usos of this podcast, <laughs> which is... Definitely Nathan and Ben. Definitely. There's there's a main event for night one. There is, yeah. Just hope, I just hope they aren't naked. Let's let's just hope that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice with that image in my head, but. Yeah, like you said, we're back. I've got some. I've got some Sam Smith outfits for our ring Yeah. Oh, don't do that. We won't be able to move now. <laughs> oh. But ah. like you said, we're back. You see, 50% of the time you're the host. He's lying. He is always secretly the host. Even when he gives me permission to do the opening introduction, he's really the puppet master controlling everything. Yeah, he's right. But Scott is a, an abuse victim. I'm I'm secretly controlling and manipulating them all the time. He's he's like buddy Palpatine behind the scenes pulling the strings, and I'm just <laughs> Kylo Ren. <laughs> well, it was me who originally convinced Nathan and Raoul to break away from rope break and form our own little. Um, Podcast Empire back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what he's doing in between recordings. He's just sitting there and he's big imperial throwing, just laughing away at himself, just pulling the strings. Rahul um, let let me down one too many times, and <laughs> nobody has ever heard from him since. Just just saying. He was he had a firm meeting with Carl and his lightning hands. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, did, I mean, recently we've been doing this with the with some MCU films, you know, waiting for them to go on Disney Plus so that Carl can save money on a cinema ticket, and you know what give you what the Rogue Opinions is famous for, giving you the last opinion you wanted and the one you didn't really want anyway. <laughs> and who better months after, a good three or so months after Black Panther: We're Kind of Forever, the very last review you're probably going to hear about it is two white guys talking about it. It's the review that everyone was wanting to hear. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is sound like, a, this is sounding like uh, a road. I don't want to go down anymore. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two middle-class white guys <laughs> critiquing a film, primarily of black actors. This, this is going to end very well. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows we're the most woke people on Rogue Opinions, like, it's better, like, you would, I wouldn't trust Reese and Liam with this review. Exactly. Yeah, that, 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 that's a recipe for cancellation right there. 
And I'm sure we can drum up some black friends out of somewhere to prove we're not racist. I mean, I actually do have black friends, but now no one's going to believe me now that you've, you've <laughs> used that setup. No one's going to believe me. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been that long since this film came out that the next MCU installment has actually already hit cinemas, and I've already been to cinemas to see it with Ant Man Quantumania. But I'm sure we'll talk about that in about three months' time. <laughs> yeah, we can. Hey, look, I, I, I've got a home to pay for, rent, and all the other expenses. I mean, if, and you know, this ever increasing electricity that uh, you know, used to be about a pound a day, and now it's looking at like about a fiver a day at the rate it's flipping going. <laughs> oh, it's time for another installment of Back in My Day. Yes! Well, in this case, my day was only last year before it started going up to stupid amounts of money. Because, <laughs> ah. you know, I'm in my 40s. doesn't mean I'm some sort of old man. Oh, sorry, but you're, the tone of your... The tone of your little tiny there, about, you know, the prices of energy and electricity and all that, that it smacked of huge back in my day vibes. I had to call it out. <laughs> Excuse oh. fucking me. Says the person whose mum and dad pays the bills. Hey, I contribute to this household. I'm a working man. <laughs> and it's not my fault that we have a housing market that prices go up and up, and I have a job where I'm trying to convince them to give me more money so I can't pay for my own fucking house right now. <laughs> Old people, people from back in the day, people say nowadays, oh, I bought my house for when I was 23. Aye, because they were dead cheap back then. If they, yeah, that price now, if they were that price now, I'd have bought one. I bought two. My parents bought their house um, back in the day for less than you can buy a car for nowadays. That's how. That's, that's the fucking difference. Two shillings and two pence, and soon I've left over to go to cinema. <laughs> I mean, all right, they had to walk 50 miles to get their overs every day, but yeah, I can't have everything. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? Fuck knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, I'm not going to spoil Ant Man and the Wasp or anything for you, but you know, I know like there was some you were talking about, there was some concern when the critic score came out, it was like 54%, I think it still is at time recording. And we've also. Uh, let's say like the second lowest rated Marvel film on like Rotten Tomatoes but then the audience scores come out at like 84% so it's one of those things that audience score and credit score don't always match mm. up not very often you sometimes find like films critics raise about, rave about nobody goes and watches and then films they hate everybody seems to love they're just like they're very stuck up, aren't they? They're trying to look more intelligent than they really are by liking all this arty farty crap. And then superhero movie, no, we'll yeah. we'll say it's crap. Uh, I mean, it's an hour fifty odd minutes, I think. Hour fifty five. This this I film, know. like that's short these days. Wakanda forever. I can see why it was called that because it felt like it went on forever. <laughs> I mean, my brother and I were talking about because he and I went to go see it, and before we went, I did to watch the recent Elimination Chamber pay per view. 
even we thought like yeah it wasn't the longest MCU film so far you know compared to like Wakanda Forever, No Way Home, Doctor Strange but it still felt like they could have shaved at least 15 minutes off of that film so I'll say I don't think it's as bad as the credit score initially made you think it might be but it's not going to go north the top of my list it's it's fine Kang's inclusion does a lot of heavy lifting I'll just say uh, but you know Definitely a fun time when you eventually watch it on, on Disney Plus. And, you know, again, my low bar of Eternals has still not been. <laughs> nothing has ever sank lower than that. And I don't think it will for a very, very long time. I mean, I do love Paul Rudd and I like the character. Of course. And, and I like the um, character Ant Man, but I don't know if it was really, you know, really a big enough name to carry his own movie. I mean, I mean, everyone knows who the Hulk is, and even he's he struggled to carry his own movies. You know, the the standalone Hulk films never profited as well as some of the others. He seemed to work better as part of a part of a unit, and I think that might be, um, you know, Ant Man. You know, he's all right as part of the Avengers or part you know in a film in a Captain America film or whatever but these standalone ones they don't don't really work that well for me personally don't hate them but (laughs) they're certainly not amongst the best the top tier of Marvel are they yeah I mean also they spent a lot of time in the quantum realm and there's obviously there's a lot of CG involved here I like Michael Douglas but he spends a lot of this third film just looking confused like, he's looking around uh, all the screen screen thinking, what am I supposed to be looking at? Mm. I'm too old for this. Mm. <laughs> and, like I said, you can't not like Paul Rudd, and also you got Kang introduced, and he's an important villain. And I thought and I was good enough to carry his own film. Like, for the first one, I really did not like, not as bad as the terrors, but I really did not like Ant-Man and the Wolf, like the last one. But I don't know why we felt so, they felt it was so important to have they give us three Ant-Man films when two would have just been fine if you just got out the middle one. Two would have been just fine. Because uh, I like Paul Rudd, but I don't really care about the, the extended Ant-Man little section of the MCU. Like I like him, but there's those around him like Hope. I'm sorry, I couldn't give a fuck about Hope. Hope? Who's Hope? Uh, the Wasp. Sorry. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Honest golf. There's about twenty odd fucking films at this rate, and a good chunk more to come. So you can forgive me for forgetting people's names. I mean, I wish I didn't know her name. I'd wish I'd I'd take that bit of information. I know about the MCU out of my brain, but something useful in. But I remember names of characters, even the ones I don't care about. Hmm. 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 That's good for you, Scott. Good for you. I'm great on quizzes. But, you know, but shade to all other things. But we're going to hear talk about some uh, some trailers and uh, like you said, and I think given we're talking about the MCU and Atman's already, I believe the next one that comes out is one we already have a trailer for. I think we should talk about that first with uh, Guardians Volume 3. And you know, it's not the happy-go-lucky feel of Guardians we're used to. They're really setting you up for something sad in this film because I think they already confirmed someone's going to get killed off here. And so basically just, the trailer's basically playing a game of, try and guess who's going to die. Yeah, there's, um, 
quite a somber feel to the trailer, isn't there? If I can remember it correctly, I was meant to watch it before we went on there. I was meant to watch it to refresh my memory before we went on there, but then I forgot. I, was, <laughs> I got lost looking and listening to old song videos because you know, back in my days, living my youth. <laughs> There he goes again <laughs> with the body back in my days. Oh, I'm but, not some old guy. Like, yep, yep, the evidence is piling up, Carl. Huh, huh, huh. Well, yeah, obviously, I'm not compared to the likes of you. <laughs> Young <laughs> whippersnapper here. I mean, I wouldn't think I call myself whippersnapper. Uh, I'm, I'm 26 years old. And I've already got two bad knees. Like, I've got knees like fucking Kit Kats here. Bless <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're getting the. Uh, I don't think I've seen them in any of the trailers I've watched, but we're supposed to be getting a villain that was promised at the end of Guardians 2, aren't we? If memory yeah. serves me correctly. Yeah, Adam, Adam something. Uh, Adam, Adam Warlock, played That's by Will, Pol- Will Poulter. Sorry, I'm trying to get his name properly. I believe he's English. But and I struggle to remember if he was English because I rarely see him in anything anymore where he plays someone who's English, so I forget <laughs> that he's in. <laughs> I remember seeing a clip of him on Jonathan Ross afterwards and then he was playing Adam Warlock and Jonathan Ross is a big nerd, so Jonathan was trying to ask him all these questions and contractually he's not allowed to answer any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you got another actor, I cannot remember his name and pronouncing it, I defend quite a few people, but this actor, he was also in Weijin's Gun and uh, Peacemaker, he's playing a villain as well in this called The High Evolutionary, who I think the T-series got a connection to Rocket in this film. Uh, yeah, it's a very like somber up until like, maybe the last little bit where there's the fun back and forth between Chris, for Gene Quill and Nebula. But obviously he's done to this crazy girl where doesn't remember, like, the person you say you're in love with sounds more like her. And they just said that moment with a stare each other. Sorry, I, just, I never even realized how dark your eyes are. Hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's having none of it. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, father replaced my eyes with these as a form of torture. Well, he picked out some very nice eyes. Hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's looking like this is, this is the last one for. James Gunn, like I said, it's gonna be the last it's like Guardians of like trilogy. So I think these guys will be one like popping up in like big Avengers films or any kind of ensemble thing and I don't think we'll get like get another like standalone film from the Guardians after this. Mm. But you know but, but a hell of a hell of a goal, you know, with the last two films I think very few people could have suspected that the first Guardians film would have been the hit that it was. Yeah, it was a massive hit, wasn't it? It wasn't even um, a superhero group that I was uh, super familiar with, really, before the film came out. But you know, the, I think a lot of it has to do, with, you know, the cast. They brought in a great cast. I mean, Chris Pratt was just perfectly cast as Star Lord. Um, David Batista was perfectly cast as Drax. Zoe Sardana, she's always she's always brilliant. So, you know, you can't go far wrong with her. Same with um the one from Doctor Who. Forgotten oh, yeah. Scottish Karen one. Gillen. 
That's it. She's always, she's always brilliant. So, you know, they put, a, they put together a stellar cast and, you know, it just doesn't know. It just worked. You know, the, the chemistry of the cast just, came, you know, came off well. I think that's, I think that's half of making a good film, personally, is getting the casting right. I mean, sometimes a film can be perfectly serviceable, but it can be spoiled by, you know, the lead being completely miscast. Yeah. So it'll be good to see how the, how they kind of wrap this up, like where everybody ends up. Mm. And I, I don't, I know it's a bit morbid sounding, but I'm trying to guess who it is that's going to get die, and I don't think it's going to be a Nebula or a Mantis because it needs to be one of the core five if they want to have like an emotional like impact and like, mm. and, and if it's going to be by like the main villain, then it needs to also hit and like put over this guy's a. An absolute bastard, basically, and I have a feeling it's going to be either tracks or rockets. Yeah, I mean, Dave Bautista has sort of said he's done with his character now, hasn't he? So, unless that, unless that's, he's done that as a miss, mislead, working us into a shoot, and to use a wrestling term. But yeah, it's it's going to be someone like that. I wouldn't have thought it would be Chris Pratt's character, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he said he's like he's done after this, but like he said, could be a threat. It could be his character could survive, but like be written off and like explain where he's going to end up, which is why you don't see him anymore mm. after this. Cool them versions, but I think he was kind of annoyed about the way Marvel kind of originally fired James Gunn from this when there's that whole thing about tweets coming out, and then he also threatened like a couple of others did on the cast, like walk out on the film if they didn't bring back James Gunn. So. It's a case of he's not just done playing the, the character, he's just like done with Marvel after that whole fiasco. But you never know, he, he could he could follow his pal James over to DC. Yeah, he could be the next Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, weirdly enough, they announced Swamp Thing. I'd like to see Dave Batista's take on Swamp Thing. Just what's mm. the swamp start sending people, people with Batista bombs? I don't know, just watching him play Star Lord and other sort of kooky characters, Chris Pratt. I'm not sure I could take him seriously as Superman. Yeah. I, mean, I think Mintis has even said like he's like in his 50s, he's kind of getting sick of having to get in shape for films. So he's wanting to kind of start getting a bit of a belly on it. He's, mm. like, I think they're wearing, like part of the reason they're wearing this, this, those suits you see him wearing in the trailer is DBGs will try to cover up that he was struggling to get in shape for this one. So Fair, I mean, he's been through quite a bit. He's had to look a certain way for so long. Like, let the man be fat for a while. Exactly. I mean, that's the main reason that Hugh Jackman sort of quit playing Wolverine until uh, Ryan Reynolds came calling. That, yeah, it's, you know, too hard to work to get into the sort of shape you expect him to be in for Wolverine. I think uh, Chris Hemsworth talked about how much more difficult it's getting to be in. Like Thor, which is why I was surprised that he he was still Thor at the end of like Love and Thunder. But you know, we'll see what happens with him. Mm. Uh, I mentioned James Gunn in DC. Before we talk about the Flash, can I can I express some of my thoughts about James Gunn? I've got some things about James Gunn I want to get off my chest. Yeah, yeah, you said this the the other day, so I'm quite in, I'm quite intrigued to know what this uh, you need to get off your chest is. Like I'm a big fan of both Marvel and DC. When it comes to reading comics for a large period of time, I was more into reading the DC stories. 
<laughs> so it's a bit hard to watch DC being in the, the shape it's been in over the last few years, you know, with the Zack Snyder vision of the, like, vision of a DC cinematic universe falling apart and everything, and their attempts to rebuild it, like, what's canon, what isn't, the whole four-hour Justice League shit. So James Gunn then stepped in, basically, to be the Kevin Faggy to DC and kind of oversee everything, give, like, a new like, Canadian universe, and I was excited about that. And I think the whole point of this, like, Flash movie with a Flashpoint, like, story is to do... Much like in the comic, this is a reset, and from here, everything that happens under James Gunn and that is like continuity. This is the continuity of the DCEU. And so, we got some good stuff announced. Like, there's a group of characters called The Authority getting a film I don't know about, but then again, it's the guy who brought us Guardians, as we said to people didn't know about, so maybe that'll be interesting. Mm. He, uh, he's working on some show called Animated Series called Creature Commandos. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis from like Suicide Squad, is getting her own live action like spin off series. There's going to be a, a detective style series about uh, Hal Jordan and John Stewart of like the Green Lantern Corps, which is very interesting. And well, you know, it's been long enough that we can thankfully put that Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern film behind us. <laughs> yeah, he's, hmm. he's wanting to, he's wanting to do a TV series called Paradise Lost about the the Amazons and Themyscira and all that, like from Wonder Woman. Booster Gold is getting a, a TV series. Uh, like I said, there's a, in films, there's a swamp thing. They announced Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. But then there were these announcements that really kind of grinded my gears. He also announced Superman Legacy, which is a film that will be coming out in 2025, which he's personally stepping to write. I think you may also be directing it. So, you know, there's an interesting take there. And, you know, I've heard some people rumoring that maybe it won't be like. Clark Kent, maybe it's his son who's Superman, that's why where the legacy comes from, because recently in the comics his son's taken over, and that, that could be interesting, but I was very much a, like, can we not do Superman? Like, you already got Supergirl, you're also, you're also interesting in Flash, I don't know if this is the same Supergirl who's going to be in a Supergirl movie, like, can we put a focus on her and you know, take a break from Superman, because I've always found Superman to be a bit bland, I don't care if it's Henry Cavill or whoever you've got to do it, I just find Superman boring. And then... He said that Robert, that some other DC projects that were being worked on were being considered Elseworld projects, like the Wacking Phoenix Joker sequel and some other things. Like they said that like, they support them and everything. They're going to have DC banner, but they're elsewhere. They're not part of this this like phase that he's doing, which is called Gods and Monsters, apparently. And so Robert Pattinson's Batman is not canon to James Gunn's DCEU, and they're announcing a new Batman called the Batman Brave and the Bold, which is focusing on Batman and his son. Damian Wayne, who will be Robin. Now, I just, this pissed me off. And uh, this is like a nerd level of rage that it's hard to explain. <laughs> I'll try my best here. Can we please stop with the multiple Batman, please? Can we please stop having multiple people playing the same version of characters? Because uh, I'm sick of having to explain to people that I know who don't follow comic book movies and the news and all the stuff going around them. I'm sick of having to explain to people what's why is this person playing this character and is this connected to that movie and that film? I'm just, I'm done with it. This will be like the eighth, seventh or eighth Batman since Michael Keaton played the character first in 89. Like, we've got two Batman in this, in this version of The Flash. This is meant to write out the Bat, like, Batman. Yeah, ironically, he'd be perfect for Brave and the Bold because he's old enough to believably be a Batman who has a son. And he could even direct the film for you. You know, he's won an Oscar for that kind of thing. I think he's quite good at it. 
he said he wanted to direct a Batman film when he was cast originally. And then, like, Robert Pattinson, the, the Batman, I know it was long, but that film was, like, one of the best Batman films you've done, like, maybe since The Dark Knight, even though I prefer Batman Begins. But it was, it was amazing. Everyone succeeded for the sequel. They got all these projects connected to it, like a spin-off series about the Penguin and some stuff connected to, like, the Gotham like police department. They're going to do a TV series about that. And all the swear that Matt Reeves is doing. James Gunn saying, like, oh, well done, and all creating this whole, go- like, kind of world around Batman and a version of Batman people actually like, despite their, no you know, initial objections to Robert Pattinson. But you can have that in your own little pocket world, because I'm doing my own thing over here. It's just, he's he's do- he's got great intentions here as James Gunn, but I feel like he's already setting the groundwork for it to be a bit confusing with already setting out multiple versions of fucking Batman here. Yeah, I don't understand why Robert Pattinson's Batman can't be part of this new DCU, but obviously James Gunn's got his particular uh, vision, and clearly that version of Batman doesn't quite fit into it for whatever reason. Uh, I think maybe it's for a similar reason that you never saw, like, Christian Bale's Batman interacted with other, like, DC, like, superheroes in that. Maybe they think that this version of Batman is a bit too grounded to be connected into this world of like Superman and all these other characters that he may have to interact with. But I don't know. I mean, he's doing a good enough job at it. Um, I'm sure they can find someone who's a bit older to play this part uh, for Batman. And I like the idea of like, doing the stuff with Damian Wayne. But again. I'm very trepidatious, all right? I'm naturally sceptical about what James Gunn did, even though the idea of him being involved should fill me with optimism because, you know, Peacemaker was really good, Suicide Squad filming he did was very good. I'm just not sure about this. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see how things pan out. I mean, they've been lagging behind Marvel for quite some time now, DC, and it seems like bringing in James Gunn, as you say, in this Kevin Feige role, seems to be a step in the right direction, so we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to see how things turn out, but I do get your point I, did, I understand why you, you need multiple Batmans and Superman, yeah, I think Superman's very much uh, a superhero of his time, isn't he, because was it the 30s, he, he was created, and um, the, the world's moved on a fair bit from this sort of bland, all-white sort of superhero type. And it just doesn't seem to fit the mould in these modern times. Like, unlike, you know, people like Bat, you know, his heroes like Batman who are, you know, working quite shades of grey. And, like, because like, he's saying that this is the first phase of the DCU, most of it being between, like, early 2025 and, like, some point 2027. So across two or three years, they're going to do all this stuff and then build to the next phase. So I'm glad he's basically eking it out slowly and not doing what Zack Snyder did. Superman, then a crossover film, which is basically a set for Justice League, then Justice League. Like, there was a lot happening in that original DCU, like, so fast, because they were, like you said, they were trying to play catch up, but mm. it feels like James Gunn's trying to take a steadier approach. And like I said, there's projects involved here that I'm looking forward to. It's just, I think when somebody sees, like, oh, the Superman, no, Superman movie, but it's not like Henry Cavill and all that, or was oh, yeah, another Batman, and then they hear about the Royal Pants, and oh, is it him? No, this is a different Batman. Like, just hearing that, like, hearing that some different, like, 
you're not going to have time to explain it before they've already checked out. You know, it's like the elevator pitch. You know, if you can't properly explain it in like 30 seconds, people don't care. Mm. Exactly. Don't let us have bloody Batgirl, for God's sake. I, I, I saw an interview with um, Brendan Fraser. I didn't realise he'd been cast to, to play the, the villain in that film. That's maybe what I, that's maybe what I see it even more. I know. And then, after, then he's gone from that to this film, The Whale, which is getting all this acclaim. Where he was supposed to play like Firefly, like was the main villain. And, like they think they shot like eighty percent of it, and like they were gonna have Michael Keaton involved in it, and like a mentor also they're bringing him in for this as well as Flash. But you know, apparently they all like a bunch of the crew all got together for a screening of this film that wasn't finished yet, so. I imagine there'd just be scenes where, like, they can see the green screen in the background, but it's just a case so they could all see all the, the stuff that they worked yeah. on. Well, I think from what uh, I've gathered is the the film was shot. They completed filming. It's just like all your post production mm-hmm. and been done yet when they did the um, the screening, which is you know adding in all your special effects and another malarkey. So, you know, it's quite a rough, it'd be, it'd be quite a rough cut of the film before, yeah. you know, all, yeah, all, all that sort of razzmatazz is, is done to it. But there you go. I mean, you know, for a certain, you know, James Gunn's going to have to, like, include a new version of Flash going forward because we know that Ezra Miller's definitely not coming back for all the legal shit he gets get, he's getting involved in. Like, there were people who were wondering if this film was going to get shelved. Or, like, there were even rumours that they were reshooting the entire movie with someone else in the role, but that turned out to be not true. And I'm sure that would be too much of our sake for, for DC to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this film does because it does look good, but as you say, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Ezra Miller from some of the stuff that he's alleged. I don't know. I, um, I'll say allegedly, just to cover ourselves, uh, allegedly done and been involved in. So it is strange, but there must be some important stuff happening in this that they want. You know, they want to get out there before they kickstart uh, James Gunn's MMTCU. So because uh, he seemed pretty determined to get it out there, so we'll just see. And it's like quite strange because um, the last month or so before the trailer was dropped, I heard a lot of stuff that oh yeah, Michael Keaton, he got you know, he's, they lost the Batgirl film he's supposed to have a part in and he's been cut out completely of this new Flash film and yet the trailer drops and he's featured in it quite heavily so I don't know where those stories came from yeah, I'm, very I'm strange on, I'm on Ezra Miller's Wikipedia page, right? There's an entire section dedicated to controversies and legal issues. That's that's when you know you've truly fucked up. Like there mm. was news stories coming out all the time about him. Somebody in a group chat I was in shared a clip ages ago. It was a the caption Ezra Miller's legal team. And it's a Jim Carrey picking up the phone in the film Liar Liar just yelling at it. Stop breaking the law, asshole. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of glad when you actually see the trailer for this whack that they didn't shelve it. <laughs> Although the, the idea of your if you're uncomfortable at seeing Ezra Miller, the fact that, that there are multiple scenes with two Ezra Millers is probably not going to make you feel any better. But 
It would have been a shame if this if this film really didn't end up happening because it looks amazing. And the biggest shot for me is like I know about Michael Keaton being involved in the news, like that Fleck and the beginning just Supergirl on this. Michael Shannon is in this as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I know nothing about this. That got me the same when I was watching it. I was like, ooh, Zod's back. And I do like <laughs> Michael Shannon. He's a he's a good actor. So yeah, I'm quite interest quite interested in that. There's a great bit where he's um, they're in trouble. He's, he said something to Batman. No, you're the expert. What? What? What do we do here? And he's like, try not to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting to see what's what's going to happen with with Zod being involved. Like you said, because I don't remember hearing anything about him being involved in this. And like, Card uh, Superior's been put in the role that Superman had in the Flashpoint, which was basically. He crash landed like somewhere else, so wasn't with the kids, and so spent all his life in a government facility. So, in the comic version, like you got a mega like skinny Superman who's never been exposed to the sun, which means he's got like no superpowers. So, just see what happens with this uh, Supergirl character. Yeah, it does look does look similar. I think there's a scene in the trailer where she's sort of all huddled up in what looks, you know, like. Like those sort of cloak things you wear at the hospital or something, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then there's shots of her in the super outfit and and whatnot. So yeah, that looks pretty. That looks pretty cool. To to be yeah. fair, and yeah, as again, someone who's old like me and remembers Michael Keaton, you know those films, especially the. I was only nine when the first one came out, but the but the second one, um, Batman. Um, oh, what was so Batman Returns? Um, I remember, yeah, one of my favorite Batman films. One of my favorite films, it's a great film. That just to see Michael Keaton there again as as Batman, just just brilliant. You know, I, I used to think that Batman Returns was an unimaginative title for a sequel until Matt Reeves and said this move as sequel to the Rob Pants band was going to be called The Batman Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also one of the best Batmobiles ever as well. The first two, those first two films, that was an awesome Batmobile. That was. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to see him in here. Like, I would, like I said, I had all this like trepidation going in if this film came to controversy. And also, I was a bit annoyed with James Gunn about DC, and like, but then I, the minute I, I saw Michael Keaton pop up, he says, "I'm Batman." Oh, it's awesome, I, isn't it? Oh, the nostalgia—it just waved all over me. You know? And they even had—it's even a little bit of the original scoring as well mm. when they show him, which got me. Yeah, got my nostalgia um, going as well. I thought that was awesome. Because like these came out right about the time of the Super Bowl, so like, there's like a TV spot as well, and with some things that's on the trailer and the TV spot. The thing was a clip of one of the versions of Barry uh, flip going back of. Uh, cover and like unveiling the Batmobile like the original Batmobile yeah absolutely brilliant so uh, yeah I must admit uh, Ezra Miller controversies aside I am quite looking forward to to this film looking at that trailer I mean if this can like meet expectations when you actually go and like see it and if if uh like James Gunn can keep a certain level of consistency with the quality of the, these films coming out, then I will take back all my previous objections here. Just I've been burned before. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And but... if anyone, I'm just gonna go over. Like, if anyone asks me about this old Batman, I'm just gonna 
I'm probably just going to say, like, it's hard to explain. You wouldn't get it. Just enjoy the film. Have you have you ever seen that fan-made Batman thing where he fights Predator? I have not. You look, try and look up, look it up on YouTube. Yeah, like a a fan who's also a I think it's a, a stuntman um, did his own little Batman thing. It, well, it used to be on YouTube anyway, where he sort of fights Predator. It's quite it's quite cool. It's only about awesome. ten minutes. It's only about ten minutes long or something. Fair enough. Also, weirdly enough, I think next sometime next month that Shazam sequel may come out. So. I think Shazam's maybe something else worlds as well. Uh, so I don't know if we'll ever see him in James Gunn's DCU. And also, I think uh, I don't think The Rock's going to do more more Black Adam with uh, under James Gunn because I think they had arguments about like The Rock really wanted to do something with Henry Cavill's Superman, and James Gunn said no, like because he was about to start unveiling his plan for it. So I don't think The Rock and James Gunn are on the best of terms. Yeah, and apparently they called Rock out for uh, skewing how how well the um, Black Adam did at the box office. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, I watched that not too long ago, and it was it was enjoyable enough, but I didn't think it was anything super special, really. Yeah, I mean, it was like a passion project for the Rock, mm. basically. Um, you know, it wasn't terrible, and like I thought the bits with him, like in it, like the well, uh, it's fair to say something different there because like the bits with him, and he's the main fucking character. But get to see him when you get to see him fully, like unleash his superpowers, then that's like that's uh, when there's some cool stuff to be seen in there. And I really like Pierce Brosnan's role in it as a uh, as Doctor Fay. Oh yeah, yeah. Pierce Brosnan's. He's always excellent now, isn't he? But yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, Hawkman was suitably bland. Yeah, he, he was a bit. And he's very sort of arrogant for a superhero, isn't he, Hawkman? Very much. And I'm, I'm shocked he wasn't like killed off because I think he was one of the characters in the DC comics who became a round joke because he kept killing him off and bringing him back. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, like, to keep with the theme of what we're going to be talking about today, I remember there being a, a thing out there where I'm pretty sure, like, within a couple of weeks, because uh, Black Adam came out a month before Wakanda Forever, like, or kind of whatever, within, like, less than a couple of weeks, completely overtook Black Adam in terms of how much it made. Yeah, yeah, not surprising. The Marvel is at the moment bigger than DC when it comes to the sort of film um, universe part of things anyway. And it was already very popular um, IP anyway, Black Panther. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just the thing with The Rock. You know, he's got a bit of a bruised ego at the minute that he's, like you said, his passion project maybe didn't do as well as you'd have hoped. Yeah, he should have just gone to WrestleMania to lose to Roman Reigns, shouldn't he, really? But there you go. You know, he wants to sit at the same him versus Superman. Like, Roman Reigns does a Superman punch, you could have got that match. Exactly. You come, come out in Black Adam gear for your entrance and everything. No, he's, 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 the more you the way you're putting it there, he's really let an opportunity slide, doesn't he? I know. 
mean, the, re- the reason you're not making the money from fucking Black Adam is because you're leaving it on the table here. Exactly. Ah, but you know, we've been here for quite a while and we've not even talked about Wakanda forever, which I know you've already stated uh, you thought was a bit long. Yeah, just just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> I think it's over. Like, I think is it is it does it get the two and a half hour mark? At least two hours twenty, I think, from what I remember. Yeah, it's it's getting on for two and a half hours, definitely. Yeah, which is weird. Cause, like, it's definitely up from the the first. One. I don't remember the first one being that long, but maybe it's just a running train with this recent phase of the MCU because this is this is the last film of Phase Four. Now, Ant-Man the Wasp got to be a kicks off Phase 5. But, you know, so we thought the big theme of this film is, you know, mourning, like, people that you've lost everything because David Boseman passed away, and so obviously they couldn't ignore his character's death. And, you know, you notice in this film they get it out of the way very quickly and don't show him or hint to him on screen like, his death happened like off screen and they don't even specify how he died because I don't think they wanted to like focus on it too much. Yeah, I think they sort of dealt with it in the in the sort of best way they could have really. Um it's still still it's quite hard that he, he passed away at such a young age from from cancer, you know. He kept it quite private, so it was quite quite the shock when it when it all came out. And um, yeah, I think they had to acknowledge that you know he, he's he's passed away and he you know, can't can't be Black Panther anymore. So and I'm glad he didn't try and recast him. You know, recast the character. I don't think that would have. I don't think that would have worked. But I like what. But I didn't sort of like and all the build. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a big surprise. It turns out to be the new, the new Black Panther. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, it's not. It's just going to be Shirai and and oh Shuri. I'm not sure how you pronounce the name now. And yeah, that's who exactly. It turned out to be exactly who I thought it was going to be. So let's say something's going to be a surprise when it isn't going to be a surprise. I know. I. He even showed the trailer of like the scene where she jumps out of the the, the jet in front of everybody, and you, you see the close of the helmet. Like you can tell, it's a much skinnier person in the suit, mm. and nobody there's nobody of that body type other than her, and so it made a lot of sense. But yeah, the fact that they built to it, I mean, the fact that she basically doesn't want to take the mantle because like she's still mourning and everything. Like I get I get what they were trying to do with it, but. You know, all this build up and like even the, the, when they do the bit where she takes the, the herb to try and tease you that it didn't work and then immediately show that it did work so like come on just we know this is Black Panther here let's see the Black Panther but yeah it's, it's a funny decision to try and make out that um, we wouldn't know who it was but there we go it's um, yeah. it, but it, you know it made sense and uh, you know it's also the person who made the most sense because you know it's the sister and um, to you know she has the same lineage and and mm-hmm. whatnot and she had quite a meaty role in um, uh, Avengers um, 
which one's which one was the penultimate one? What was that one called? Was that Endgame? Uh, in, I think Infinity War then. Infinity yeah. War, that's it. So quite a meaty role in that as well as the original Black Panther. So, you know, all all signs are pointing to her being the new Black Panther, which is fine. I've got nothing against her being Black Panther, but don't try and make out it to, to be some sort of big surprise when mm-hmm. it's clearly the obvious route to go in. Yeah. I do like, the, the, the kind of do even like mention T seven when he, I do like there's a point where she says about like how she's trying to make this like synthetic version of the the earth that gives the Black Panther their their power because Killmonger in the last film burned it all and like she couldn't make it in time to to save her brother and she even says at one point you know he suffered in silence for so long and by the time we tried to help him it was already too late which I think may be a reference to the fact that a lot of people. Like outside of like a close group of people didn't know that Jared Boseman was even sick. Like mm. even Ryan Coogler, the writer and director of this film, didn't know that he was he was suffering. Yeah, I mean some people just don't like to make a, a big thing out of these these things, do they? They don't want to be you know, they don't want tons of sympathy and be treated any differently just because they're going through something they well, they're hoping they can handle that. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But you know, we all deal with things in our in our own way, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the film had to be kind of completely like rewritten and everything. Mm. I'm sure, like the villain was was always the same, but also the fact that this film had to shift to Shuri and everything. But like you said, I I do think the film is very long, like. When she goes, the bit where she goes underwater and Namor's taking her around like his city and explaining, like, you know, they're trying to do that thing that Marvel does really well, giving you the point of view of the villain and everything, not make them too stereotypical of a, of a villain. But that whole underwater thing with between her and uh, between Shuri and Namor is the real moment when I was in the cinema where I felt the film start to drag. Yeah, I mean, I get what they're doing now. They want to introduce Nomar as this new, you know, new character because he's not always strictly a villain. He's uh, he can be a good guy too. He's so um, yeah. We, we'll probably get a face turn at at some point, but um, yeah, it's um, but as you say, yeah, it does. The film has gone a bit along, and they probably got a shaved. A few things off it, but uh, it, it is what it is. Um, what did you make? Speaking of which, what did you make of um, this interpretation of Neymar or Nomar or whatever he's whatever he's called? Yeah, they like eleven ways of pronouncing it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people like not knowing a lot about him did kind of make him out to be a bit of a joke. So it's nice that they took him that seriously. There are times where he's like a villain and sometimes a hero, so like I'm glad that they kept him alive at the end to give. Mm. And you're not entirely sure what his intentions are going to be going forward because he's certain that eventually he'll form an alliance with the people of Wakanda against. Because if you look at the people, other countries will come after them and they'll, they'll need them in the end. But, you know, eventually he'll probably turn face, like you said, become a good guy. But no, I liked this, this character because, you know, he was. He had his reasons, you know, and it was only when he felt threatened that he properly <laughs> lashes out at the uh, the good guys. 
And like, there's other points where you can just be talking softly to you, and then there are points where he then suddenly just turns like a bit sinister, like "Don't fuck with me," because like when he confronts the queen and and Shuri, basically when they try to tell me to leave everything, he's like, "I've got like more soldiers than there are blades of grass in the entire world of Wakanda." So like, don't mess with me. Don't make me come back with an army. Yeah, he's like a bit like. Um... What Ramondo is trying to do, um, just protect his people. Really, they've they're, they're trying to get their hands on um, the vibrate. It is vibranium, isn't it? Um, there's obviously some sort, some in the some in the sea, which um, Neymar and his people have been using, and they they've been searching for it underwater, which obviously alerts Neymar and his people, and he wants them to obviously stop looking for this vibranium and he wants the person who's invented this um, device that can track it or search for it which was made by uh, our newest hero um, Ironheart uh, I don't know any actress, actress but yeah, Riri Williams who will become Ironheart who I think her TV show is meant to come out sometime later this year and even said it's pretty much a direct sequel to to this so We'll see how that uh, develops. So maybe we'll see Shuri or some other characters from Wakanda showing up in her show. Yeah, possibly. But I thought she was. I thought she played quite a good part. Actually, I quite quite enjoyed her character and mm-hmm. the story out in the film. So yeah. um, looking forward to what else they do do with her. I was. I didn't realize she was such a young character though. She's still she's at school. <laughs> yeah, like I think she's like twenty-five in real life, but she's like nineteen in this. Mm. You know, some people can get away with like playing younger because I think like Tom Holland's maybe like I think he when he first introduced in the MCU, Tom Holland's Peter Parker maybe sixteen, but in real life he was or, he was already nineteen. So you know, that's I mean, that babyish looking face. <laughs> a bit like me. I mean, I could still easily be cast as a twenty-five-year-old if I, I was acting, but. Uh... <laughs> I can't sure. act. Yes, that's the thing holding you back from playing twenty-five-year-old. But yeah, I like her <laughs> part. I like the <laughs> bit where they go to meet her, her and uh, Shuri and Okoye are going in. Basically, Shuri's like, "We need to be more discreet." And Okoye sitting there in her suit with a big bald head, like, "I can be discreet." And then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he confronts her, and then she like she makes a spear, like, "You brought a spear in here." <laughs> <laughs> Because like, her character, Akoya, like, she can have some really good, like, deadpan moments of her. So there are some moments where you can laugh during this film. Yeah, there's a bit where, like, she's trying to assure her that her makeup's all right. And then the, the other one so, starts taking the piss out of it. See, I told you it doesn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, she's trying to make her all these, like, suits and that, like, a new tech mm. for the dormology. And, and she's basically rejecting all of them. Like, she had some thoughts. Which were, she hates them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't like going against tradition and, and all that. But yeah, a big thing with the start of this film is that people around the world think Wakanda is weak because the Black Panther mm. is dead. And, yeah. And so, like, typical, typical the French going all in. <laughs> Never trust the French, damn it. 
Reese was right all along. <laughs> He's always said he doesn't like the French. And he was right, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, delete the bit and like end up splicing the bits in the UN between the general lads. You're basically waiting for these guys to steal, try and come and try and steal mm. a vibranium. Like the door is open, and they're just standing there waiting for them. And then they, but yeah, we don't hear from the French for the, the rest of the film. So much like the French, they folded very easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like, and then obviously finding out that there is vibranium under the sea and not in Wakanda, like it's, it's foreign to the Wakandans. And uh, obviously Namor started using that. And we, we, ironically enough, he gives Shuri a bit of jewelry that was one to his mother, which is made from vibranium. Uh, which then she actually ends up using to form her, her. She actually finds a way to make a working version of the herbs. So maybe his version of, of our being was a bit stronger than the version they had. Yeah, I mean, because um, he's almost as old as me, isn't he? Four hundred <laughs> <Yeah>. odd years. Because <laughs> like when they do the flashback to his mum and that going into the war, it says like like fifteen something AD. So like he's like hundreds of years old. <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, you can see me in the background of the, in the flashback. <laughs> you were maybe on set, you just wandered through. <laughs> but yeah. I also like the way they made the fact that he's got wings on his ankles not not be silly. That, that was something I was quite worried about because it is, you know, when you think about it, it's quite daft. But uh, they somehow made that work. Yeah, and also the fact that he's like so strong and so fast, and like more than not, you're fighting in his environment, so that team mm. moves so quickly, it, it makes it you take him a bit more seriously. <laughs> and they have to find ways of like separating him from the water because otherwise, you don't have a chance against them. Which is kind of tricky when the planet's like 70% water or whatever it is, but uh... thank you, Dexter. <laughs> We've got the old Dexter cameo. I was, I was almost worried we weren't going to get one this episode. I'm sure some of you were as well. <laughs> That's a Panic. check off the list. <laughs> yeah, you can stop panicking now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, that's, there's three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and Dexter will interrupt an episode of Pod 9 easy with his bar. But... Yeah, I was going to talk about Riri Williams for a second. Yeah, like the way they're setting her up, like she's always been this kind of genius, and hopefully we'll get more of her. I look forward to getting more of her backstory and the Ironheart TV show. I like that more like, like Tony Stark. She has this like primitive version of the like, the suit, and like Okoye looks at like that thing can fly, <laughs> and she's like, "There's a whole YouTube channel dedicated to sightings of me," and then they. You don't see him. You don't see it fully being made, but you see a new version of it during like the final fight scene. Yeah. But they don't let her take it with her, so I imagine she'll just keep developing new versions of the suit, much like Tony Stark did over the various movies. Yeah, quite quite likely. So she does seem to be quite quite the genius. Yeah, and uh, I quite like the different versions of the suits, which is quite cool. And also mm-hmm. towards the end of the film, obviously. Um, she convinces convinces um oh what was the name again the, the bald headed funny woman to wear one of those <laughs> to wear one of those suits. Oh yeah. That's a horrible oh, yeah, yeah. that's a horrible description, I do apologise. 
But it's yeah, not, I get what you it's mean. It's not a it's not a name that rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I, I call you her name and like, yeah. like what do you call this? The midnight angel and she immediately was like rolling her eyes like oh for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I did take the piss out of some of the coloured suits and all that, but I didn't mind the wee wee like iron art suit. I've already I did see quite a few people online afterwards obviously like poking holes at this suit and not liking this suit and like you already people comparing her because she's like iron heart and she's using Star Tech to Iron Man and everything like showing it there's a bit where there's like a clip of Iron Man and then this like how the hell do we go from this to this like because effects change and they look different and it's a different character so fucking shut up <laughs> and we also in this film I wasn't expecting it to be in it um Julia Louise Dreyfus, which reprising her role from um, the um, Winter Soldier Falcon yeah. series, which is quite quite cool to see. And she's now like, was it a director of the CIA or? Yeah, she's very like high. That? Basically, we find out how high up she is. Like Valerie DeFonte is her full name in this, but I've been rewatching Seinfeld a lot over the last six months, so I can't see her. Is anything other than her character from that, so it's hard to take her seriously here. But she was also in the post-credit scene for Black Widow. She gives like the file on Hawkeye to Yelena, which sets up her appearance in mm. the Hawkeye show. So I think this, like, with a Thunderbolts film coming, like she's, I think she's going to play a part in that. But yeah, we get to see her along with Everett Ross, Martin Freeman's character, and then we even learn that used to be married at one point. I can't believe that he didn't know he was being he was being played by her though. When uh-huh. it was quite it's quite clear that she was just letting him um, contact them and that she knew what he was doing. And, you know, he, he, he should have been more aware of that, really. But there you go. I know. I know. Also, I'll never get over seeing Martin Freeman speaking with with American accent. Yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a very Martin Freeman take on an American accent where you can still kind of, he still speaks the same as the like, way of speaking. Like, some actors just like, you can, they can't not speak a certain way, but like, you can tell he's doing his best. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, that's an Englishman trying to be American. <laughs> bless him. Ah, bless him. I know. And then he gets arrested at the end and has to be busted out by a coy here. He makes a joke about him being in chains. Yeah, the uh, the oppressor in chains or something <laughs> like that. She says, "Yeah, but I know we do the very also like taking all this time to show us, uh, uh, like Shuri as Black Panther." But I think it's cool when she actually does become the Black Panther. She takes the urban. She's like, "I just need you to keep the beads on my chest in case I go to cardi- in cardiac arrest." And we read her like, "You're joking, right?" And there's just an awkward pause, like, she's joking, isn't she? <laughs> and she goes on to the ancestral plane and actually meet, she's expecting to see her, like, her family or see T'Challa, but no, she runs into Killmonger, who also didn't know was in this. Yeah, I, I heard he had a, a small role in it, but I wasn't too sure where, how or where he was popping up, considering he was supposed to be Brown Brad. But it kind of makes... <laughs> It kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like the, kind of the reasoning behind it because I like we mentioned that 
after that little lull in the movie, after because like they go from like a big chase scene of the Atlanteans and the the Feds coming after Riri, Okoye, and Judy, then there's that lull bit under the sea. Under the sea. The sea. <laughs> I was waiting for that. It's a shame we couldn't get Nathan on reviews because he loves things that are under the sea because he wouldn't shut shut the fuck up about Aquaman when we were doing a DC tournament not too long back. But <laughs> he's obsessed with crap stuff, and he makes so I don't don't quite understand him. Uh, and then yeah, he, he, he complains that we talk about stuff on Disney Plus all the time. Like yeah, because a lot of it's good. We talk about <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> but Jesus, his, his attitude to us doing that Star Wars ranking was just so immature. <laughs> uh, it really was. It really was. But then we get this like full on attack of. Wakanda, uh, but they, and like you see, it's so devastating. Like people die, and and they were even said at the end, if, in one week's time, if you do choose not to join me against the surface world, I'll bring my entire army. So like this is not even his full force he's bringing, but you know, surely suffers in our losses. The queen is is killed off. Like two drones try to save Riri, so like that that I wasn't expecting. So she's lost everything. She's expecting to see one of them when she goes into the astra- ancestral plane. Which is instead faced with a guy who tries to steal like the throne from her brother. Yeah, I tried to sort of convince her that you know she's got all that for revenge and mm. and whatnot. Yeah. Like and say like you you want to be noble like them and everything, but like you're not like your brother, you're more like me because the reason you want this power is the same reason I did. You want to get revenge on him, you want to kill him. And she does, she like she's all hell bent on and killing him and other people are trying to, to talk around to it that maybe he should be spared because it actually makes things worse yeah but in the end she does show show mercy and they make like a, a bit of a pact don't they but um, you're not too sure how uh, how good sort of Nomar's attentions are because he goes back to his people doesn't he and sort of says look it's the most powerful person on the land and they at some point they'll be able to help us mm-hmm. but he says it in a sort of not evil way but not exactly in a good not in a sort of good intention way either so it's yeah. hard to really know what his intentions are yeah also I really do like the scene between her and she like she really lures him into the ship where she kind of dries him out you keep him away from the water to weaken him. Jimmy jokes, what's wrong? Give you a glass of water. Uh, then there's a fight on the desert where like, he stabs her and she has to like force her way through the spear that's stuck in her, her stomach, which was quite nasty. And then I legit thought they were going to kill him off because when she does about she outs Wakanda forever and the ship behind her blows up and you can, all you can see is him consumed in the flames like, fucking hell, Lee. Like not only did they for a second I thought not only did they kill them off, they killed them off in quite brutal fashion. <laughs> but no, he just he just had a, a mild case of the Anakin Skywalkers with a big burnt back. <laughs> yeah. He he'll be fine, just a just a scratch, that is. <laughs> just a flesh wound. <laughs> just they just wanted to start crawling us down, just have him go full like and go, oh, I hate you. <laughs> Yeah, but then the it's it's weird where this story will kind of go in the future because like she is the Black Panther, but it seems like whoever's the Black Panther will be ruler of Wakanda. Plus, all the fact that you no know, the uh, the queen took the throne after T'Challa's death, 
But if you like Suri's going to challenge for the throne, like or take the throne, then well, there's maybe this big ceremony. He doesn't show up, and Mbaku from the kind of the tribe of him, he's a guy who like, looked like he was going to be an enemy of Jan the last one, but it turns out they were all friendly, everything, and he was the one who even imploring Suri not to kill Namor. But he's like, she, she Black Panther would not be here today, but I would like to challenge for the throne. So we either go for a thing like. She's like the pretender kind of, but she's not going to be the ruler of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it might be um, by the looks of it. So uh, I don't know if they're going to be doing a third film or if they're going to pop up in yeah, uh, fate more in phase five. We'll have to we'll have to see. But yeah, it's also what did you know what you made of the sort of. Ending bit where we find out um, Tichella has, you know, had a has left behind a son. Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird because there's like this very emotional like ending, like Shuri burning her funeral clothes. Like was it a ceremony her mum talked about, but she wasn't ready to do it for Tichella, but she's now doing it here at the end mm-hmm. on her own. And then the film like ends with this very somber like song, and then the mid credit scene picks up right from that bit. Of her being here just to find out she's got a nephew she didn't know about, and I can't remember what his Haitian name is, but his real name is T'Challa after his father. Yeah. And basically, they wanted him to raise him separate from Wakanda, away from the pressure of the throne, everything. So it's a very emotional moment. Like T'Challa's got like an heir that he's left behind, which is. Yeah, sweet. But I don't know why you had to split that scene up between the ending and the mid-credit scene. Yeah, not me really. But there you go. Perhaps he had nothing else to stick there, so they thought that'll have to do. <laughs> maybe they thought maybe maybe they told people to stick around for something halfway over then. We'll stick this little bit, and then after that mid-credit scene, they do put the dedication, like dedicated to our friend Chadwick Boseman, because uh, the funeral was right, right at the start of the film, right before the logos or anything. And so, like the logo, with, like the Marvel like logo, instead of all the clips from the films, it's all clips of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, that mm. was quite sweet. Yeah, definitely. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. It was nice. They paid tribute to him. Mhm. But um, yeah, that's pretty much sort of sums up the film. Really, it was. I'd say it was decent. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it was top tier Marvel, but uh, definitely a good film. What would I think it's, I would I would say it's, I, I I still think it's top tier, top three, and of that phase though. Even though there were, it could be kind of hit or miss sometimes in phase four, like on the movie side, mm. the TV shows are more often not delivered. I think I don't know what order. I think I put Spider-Man No Way Home first, but this is fighting for second between second and third between this and uh, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. Like like those three films were at the top of this particular phase of this kind of almost rebuilding after Infinity War, and obviously they had to change a lot of plans they had for this. But you know there was a lot of epic like big fight scenes in this, and you know they they dealt with the death of Chadwick I think really well. So. I still think, despite you know the length of it and that, uh, I still really enjoyed it. I think it's one of the better ones of that phase. I think like the last two, the the two Black Panther standalone films, neither of them have disappointed me. Yeah, um, 
I, I suppose when you consider Phase Four, yeah, it's it's one of the better Phase Fours ones. But um, overall, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have classed it as one of my favourites. But uh, I'd probably, if I had to rate, it, I'd probably rate it a solid seven out of ten. Yeah, I'd maybe give it a seven, seven and a half, something like that, because it really it it does out of all the films in this phase, it does really well with continuity, not just from like its last film, but from Avengers and from everything else that's going on. So it fits really nicely within the, the MCU. So I'd give it like a seven and a half. <laughs> this is a couple of points for the obvious shoddy build up and the the length of it in places. But yeah. Again, there's still some there's still quite a few films that I definitely put below this. Oh yeah, that's definitely worse. Definitely, yeah, definitely worse. There's also said, I don't know, Kevin Feige, that there won't be so many Marvel sort of programs uh, to accompany Phase Five, hasn't he? There's going to be a bit more fewer and far between. Yeah, like because I don't think there are that many TV shows announced. Like, I think across like Phase Five, you've got like uh, Secret Invasion, Echo, mm. I think Daredevil as well, and. Um, and the Marvels, isn't there? I think that's definitely happening from what I've heard. Yeah, that's a film coming out in July. But like, in terms of TV oh. shows, it's not that. Oh, is many. that a film? Is that a film? Is that? I thought it was going to be a series. No, I think they used the, the Miss Marvel series as kind of a so that when she popped up in the Marvels, people wouldn't be like, "Who the hell is this?" Ah, right. But then, you know, you know, for a fact, there's going to be those people in the audience who didn't watch the Miss Marvel show. And so they're like, who's this? Well, it's not our fault you didn't do your homework. <laughs> yeah, just going to watch it. I think everyone will know. I mean, it's, even if you don't watch it, a lot of the stuff's that promoted and talked about, you, you can know what someone or something is. There's plenty of films and programmes I've never watched, but I still know what they're about and who most of the main characters are. Yeah, I think it was smart for them in Phase 4 to focus a lot more on the TV shows for a couple of reasons. One, mm. Disney Plus was still so new, and I think it was easier for them to get these TV shows like filmed in advance, and then when the pandemic happened, like more people were going to be at home watching them rather than be going to cinemas to yeah. see the... Because like, you saw how Black Widow suffered as a result of all that. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to introduce uh, new characters, especially. Uh, the series gives you a bit more sort of time to to flesh people out as well. Well, I think in early phase six is when the the those like two Avengers films, like Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, are happening. So, if you really want to start building, I don't think phase four was intended on building to like a big crossover film. But I think if phase five is going to do that to build to the Avengers in phase mm. six. You need to put a lot of focus back on the movies, which is a smart thing to do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's everything we've got to talk about. It's nice to get back into the swing of things. But, uh, Carlo, it's if it went from being like so long away to being so close that uh, we're only a week away from the return of our beloved Mando. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't believe it's, it's come around so soon, actually. Um, looking at the trailer, that looks like it's going to be pretty, pretty exciting and and cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, and we should be back to 
bring you regular podcasts on on the Mando series with all being well. Yeah, because at our heart, once a Mando pod, always a Mando pod. This is the way. It is indeed the way. Well, yeah. Have you got any... um, I'm not doing anything else at the moment, podcast-wise, so I've got nothing to promote or plug, but have you got anything you want to promote, Scott, before we sign off? Uh, Yeah, I've got one or two things. Not as many as usual, but... uh, if you're interested in your Japanese wrestling over at ESSR, you sleep so HP3. I just dropped an episode of the show I do semi regular with my friend Graham McRobbie uh, called East Meets West, which is about Japanese wrestling. We talked about the big show in the US battle in the Valley uh, with, you know, the arts formerly known as Sasha Banks, Mercedes Money uh, being a big feature spot on that show. Uh, here on the Rogue Pines feed and also technically on Scott Paul's Relevant Podcast, me and Paul. Uh, it's been a bit delayed, but part two of our episode on the Royal Rumble 2002 is going to be coming out soon. Uh, then we're going to do a break from wrestling and talk about Frazier. That's the plan in our schedule. And then going back to wrestling with some solid episodes. Well, a good few, two or three episodes set in wrestling coming after that. And also me and him, Rogue Retro Smackdown review. There's an episode to go up soon, which is the go-home show for, for, for SummerSlam 2000. And at some point when we get our schedules together, because I'm I'm working a lot more recently, so I don't know when I'll next be able to go ready to pause to record the podcast. Uh, very soon we'll be coming out with uh, SummerSlam 2000 over in the Retro Smackdown review. Ah, SummerSlam 2000. That was quite a good one, if I remember. Is that, is that the Rock Triple H and Kurt Angle? It is indeed. That's it. Do uh, I, I come on and join us then, Carl? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Turning okay. the schedules and stars align and everything. I mean, I've been trying to make it up to you because the first couple of times I got you in the retro review for a pay per view, it wasn't the best one. But then I think you got you got on backlash, and you know, so that was a, that was a bit better. Some, yeah, I do. I can bring you on for good ones. I had to sit through Ivory versus Mueller. That that, that sort of thing sits with you for life. <laughs> Uh, he'll never let me live that down. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's all the plugs I've got. Yeah, a relatively short one for now. Uh, yeah, it, it is for you, surprise, isn't it? it is, before we start off, here's a question I want to ask. What, what do you think of this new Fraser reboot? Considering uh, I've no, no other OG characters are returning by the sounds of it. And you get Nicholas Lindhurst by <laughs> yeah. some sort of character. Yeah, that's weird because I've not heard anything about what he's been up to in a long time. And then he pops no, up. No, no, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think they've already did like a table in front of the studio audience for like the pilot episode, and from what I understand, uh, reactions were fairly positive to it. I think we do have at least one of the original like writers or showrunners behind it, and I'm confident that Kelsey Garner wouldn't just come back to this character if he did wasn't confident in it. So. No, I'm, this I'm this is a man who did Money Plane and the Transformers film, Scott. Need I remind you? <laughs> true, true. But again, he's not going to be always remembered for Transformers or Money Plane. I mean, maybe tennis, he will. But he also, <laughs> this is his most iconic role. He wouldn't come back to this to only to tarnish his most iconic role. He's going to. He's going to like come back to us knowing that it's going to be some sort of 
it's going to be called because I don't know if you even call it a Frasier reboot because it feels more like for everything I hear about it, like a continuation. So, like it's going to be a lot more about he's almost playing like the role his dad played before, like his grown up son. Mm. Like the, the pilot episode, the original Frasier was called the Good Son, and the pilot episode apparently this new Frasier is the Good Father. So okay, like, yeah, that's quite interesting. And yeah. um, and um, um, sort of how long? How old were you, and how long did was it before you realised that Kelsey Graham actually sung that um, and <laughs> credit song as well? I mean, I never, <laughs> I, I didn't realise that until years later. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I had a feeling very from a very young age that it was him singing it because it sounded like him. But then again, I always thought the wrestlers sang their own theme song because. For some reason, in my head, the, th- the person singing song always seemed to sound like the wrestler, and I knew John Cena sang his theme song, so I used to assume that all wrestlers sang their own theme song. Well, sure, Michaels definitely sang Sexy Boy, and yeah. Sherry Martel did some of the vocals before she got fired, and they just leafed that bit out of it. But, uh... Yeah. So, I think it was, it was, I was still really young, but I had a sense before I got it confirmed for me. Fair dues. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's unlikely we'll ever, we'll ever talk about we'll be covering the Fraser reboots on Podnet Easy, but you know, I can I can drop an odd mention to it. You don't there. <laughs> Why not? Why not? But <laughs> as all good things. This podcast must come to an end because I've got um, toilet breaks and stuff I, <laughs> I need. <laughs> <laughs> and football to watch. So, as with everything, padding ain't easy. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Frazier has left the building.